Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke from BurkeReviews.com, and with me as always, the Kingsman to my statesman, my friend from across the pond, Matt Hudson from WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk. Matt, how's it going? Ooh. I'm ringing the Christmas bells. That was me actually knocking some nail clippers against a cup of tea. Oh, Sounds similar though. I don't know. Uh, angel... Ringing the Christmas bells, the angel of the south over here. Obviously, it's our last show before Christmas. We've got another one next year, so... Getting in the festive spirit as much as we can over here, despite Christmas being cancelled, pretty much. Um, but yeah, I'm doing well, my friend. I'm doing really well. Uh, looking forward to talking film and pop culture again with you this week. Um, how are you? Uh, doing okay. You know, unlike uh, you, we are in Florida here. We're acting like there is no pandemic. So it is open season. <laughs> ah. uh, anybody can do whatever. Um, you know, who knows? It's wild and crazy. Uh, unlike, you know, what's happening over there in the UK. Um, you guys are on lockdown again and have a new strain of the virus apparently running rampant. So that's exciting. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? It's fun. Uh, again, the bampocalypse seems so far away now when we were talking about this being over so quickly. And yeah, the tier system's been um, upgraded. And look, I totally get the reason why I'm not against the idea of staying in um, right. for my own health and safety. But obviously the time of the year is just a, it's a downer. However, if it means that we can get out of this wretched uh covid state even even a day earlier than we would have done before then you know sign me up yeah i i'm all i'm ready for the vaccine and uh let's make that a thing um mm-hmm. you know i mean obviously it is a thing but i mean let's let's get them going let's get them yeah. delivered and uh issued out um but you know we're we're not here to talk about health uh it is the christmas season and one thing one gift that matt and i wanted all year long because Matt and I, I think, I think we would both classify ourselves as Christopher Nolan fans. Yeah. We wanted to see Tenet in the theater. And because of COVID, both of us opted to not do that. And we waited patiently like good little boys. Yep. Didn't go sit in the theater to spread COVID or catch COVID. And finally, we get to see the movie that we've been both waiting for all year long. And that is what we're here to review today is Tenet. Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Unfortunately... Not seen the way he insists that it be seen. Um, and even worse, I found out after I made my purchase, because I, I pre-ordered this uh, digitally. Yep. And I, I found out that if you buy the uh, the physical copies, I, I assume both the 4K and the regular Blu-ray, that the uh, the, the aspect ratio changes um, for the IMAX scenes on the Blu-rays, but not in the digital copies of the movie. Gotcha. So I'm a little disappointed there because I would have liked to have seen what was different because i honestly i i have a few ideas of where it would have gone to the the imax ratio um but i would have liked to have seen that and i if i had known that going in i would have bought the physical copy because those come with a digital copy uh mm-hmm. i just was trying to save some time and, and make sure i'd have it day one um so i'm a little bummed that that wasn't like marketed uh that way you know if they'd even been like uh exclusive imax visuals in the blu-rays or something i would have been like oh okay well i'll buy the blu-ray and instead, I, I got the digital, which I assume you did as well. Yes, sir. It's available. It's out on uh, physical media, but I actually watched it on Sky Cinema over here in the UK. So I just screened it via, screened it via my satellite TV cable subscription. Gotcha. 
Yeah, I bought it on Vudu um, here to add to my collection because I, I have all the Christopher Nolan films except Following. I need to purchase that on Criterion at some point. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I am a Nolan fan, and I think you uh, that could be the reason for my review today. It may not be. I'm not sure. Um, but I think uh, you, let's get into the stats, huh? Let's do it. Yeah, man. I, I am a Nolan fan, too. Um I appreciate his work. I don't think he's the Messiah quite yet, but I'm still a fan of his work. But let's see. Let's see what the stats say. Um, so, directed by Nolan, written by Christopher Nolan, which I feel is one of his only writing credits by himself. Uh, usually, his I think his brother's usually attached. Jonathan's usually attached, isn't he? Yeah, and um, and other writers have been worked with him, but uh, this I feel like this is at least for a while one of his sole credits. There, um, stars John David Washington, Robert Pattinson. Elizabeth Debicki and Kenneth Branagh, who I did not know was in this movie before watching it. Um, <laughs> armed, this is the plot synopsis from IMDb, armed with only one word, Tenet, and fighting for the survival of the entire world. A protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that it will unfold in something beyond real time. Um, RT is 71%. That's Rotten Tomatoes, 71%. Um, critic score, 69 meta score. And a 7.6 IMDb user score, so relatively high rating, yet I, I feel like I was hearing a lot of negativity around the movie when it came out. Um, it's available now on VOD or on physical media, and it's still playing in many theaters that are open. Um, we, again, have opted to not do that because it is not currently safe to do that. A lot of theaters are still closed depending on where you live. Again, Florida, if, if it's not a Regal cinema, because um, Regal was responsible and just shut their theaters down, other theaters like AMC and Cine, uh, Cinemark and there's one other, like couple of other companies that are still running theaters um, with their safety protocols in place, quote unquote. Um, so Tenet's still out there, I think, unless it just left theaters. But when I looked last week, it was still playing at one of my local theaters because there's not a lot of movies coming out in theaters. So theaters are clinging to whatever they can. Um, but uh, so again, I, I am a fan of Nolan. I went in very, very excited for this movie. I, I love the trailers. I'm a big John David Washington fan, mainly from Black Klansman, because I think that's the only yeah. thing I've seen him in as an adult actor. I think he's in like one of uh, Denzel's like early movies as a kid, if I remember correctly. But um, And I am a big Pattinson fan, uh, especially post-Twilight. And Elizabeth Debicki has just continued to be impressive in everything I've seen her in. So those three alone had me very excited for this movie. Um, and then Nolan. Uh, Nolan has some tropes. And if you like his tropes, they're all over this movie. One of them is overexposition. Um, he definitely he definitely thinks his plots are way too advanced for your casual audience to understand. And he might be right. But I don't know that the scenes of dialogue of them explaining it really help that issue. Um, I think sometimes they it's just as confusing when you hear the characters talking about the mechanics or the physicality or the physics or whatever of the world that he has crafted but man does he know how to assemble some action sequences there are some really amazing set pieces i thought in this film um the concept of time if you've seen memento um i, I read an article where nolan says that memento uh, sparked this idea and he's kind of been working on this premise since doing memento which makes sense in a lot of ways because uh time here is definitely um going to be a centerpiece of the plot which if you've seen interstellar that's a factor there um mm -hmm. it, it does play a factor in inception maybe not as significant but it time is definitely 
different in the incepted world or whatever. So that factors in, especially the different layers and how the time is different for each layer. Um, so time is there, obviously. Um, and then... Uh, and the Prestige is kind of a teleporting machine, which kind of messes around with time as well. Yeah, and then Dunkirk, uh, he tells the story in three different times simultaneously. So yeah. if you aren't following that concept, it could be a very confusing film. Um, it's very easy once you do understand that conceit. But if you're not there, I, I think it could definitely throw you off. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and even following, actually, he messes with he doesn't he doesn't do linear storytelling very often. I think the Dark Knight trilogy is really the only place where it goes beginning to end in a completely traditional plot structure. Yeah. Um, and even there, he does use flashbacks uh, to tell parts of the story. And there's so it's a few like, countdowns of time, I guess, mm-hmm. if you really want to mention those. Right. But those, to be fair, those he's doing something very different in those films of versus course. his other movies. So um, I, there was very little that didn't work for me here. Some of the dialogue wasn't amazing. Um, I don't know that I go into a Nolan film looking for like snappy dialogue, though. He's going to have long-winded exposition sequences. 100 mm-hmm. percent you're gonna have michael kane not very much in this movie but he's there <laughs> um, you know like he shows up as as a nolan uh trademark um and he's as charming as he always is um i i love the performances i i really i really want to analyze this more um note when i read the synopsis i said a protagonist journey but it needs to be noted that the word protagonist is capitalized because that is a name of a character um mm-hmm. And that is that immediately uh, Nolan's movies have been compared to like filmmaking, like Inception is the, is the process of filmmaking. You, know, you have the director, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that is definitely happening here, but it's probably more of a breakdown of storytelling and traditional story structure. Um, so I think that probably needs a deeper reading to really dig into it. And I do think um, I think a lot of the the premise of this film is really interesting. Um, I don't know if it'll hold up to scrutiny as far as like, does it follow its own rules and all of that? It seems like it on the first viewing. I thought there were some really cool visual elements with this uh, premise of Tenet. Um, again, without getting into like specifics, uh, listeners, if you're new, we don't do spoilers because these are brand new releases usually, or at least brand new home video release in this case. Um, yep. So we don't want to wreck anything like that. But I, I, it's it's a long movie. It's two hours and like thirty minutes almost. Um, yeah, well, it's like, yeah, like it's it's in that ballpark. I, I. Uh, I had to pause it a couple of times. One of the reasons I don't like watching movies at home because I do end up doing that where I wouldn't at the theater. I would just sit and watch the whole thing. Um, but I, I was pretty much enthralled the entire time. I don't, I think I rolled my eyes early because I saw like the Nolan tropes kind of kicking in, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't dislike them. I just was like, Oh, here he goes. He's, it's time for our uh, long winded sit down exp- expositional conversation about the mm-hmm. premise of the movie. So we understand what's happening. But I mean, even it opens with another pretty awesome like high sequence that it, it's not quite as good as the Dark Knight opening high sequence. But he he likes to kind of dive right in with stuff like that. And it sucked me in. I was I was hooked. I was very curious about what was going on, um, all the characters. And I man, um, oh, there's so many cool things about the film that I don't want to get into because of spoilers. But I had a blast watching this. What, what did you think about the movie, Matt? Um, I liked this film. I I kind of sway more to the kind of the IMDb user rating and the RT score. In fact, all of them, to be fair, the kind of seventy to seventy six percent kind of range, seven point six out of ten. Because uh, I, I just thought the film was okay, and of course, it was quite hard to go into this film without knowing some of the baggage, like you've just mentioned. That there was 
some negativity around it. And I, now I'm not sure if that's just because, you know, when somebody gets to a certain level, it's, I don't know, chic to kind of chip, chip away at people and knock them down a bit. I don't know if that's the case. Maybe it was. But I do also think Nolan kind of didn't do himself any favours here with the narrative, which I did find to be quite confusing. Um, if you If you're really, really not invested in this film, you will lose your way very quickly. Thankfully, I could keep up with it. But I could see why so many people were just like, what the hell is going on here? And look, things things which seem innocuous at first do get touched upon later on. And um, there's one like strategic manoeuvre, which becomes very important to the whole narrative, which if you kind of miss, then it all will just seem a bit, a bit bonkers, to be honest. Um, and I'd heard about the audio discrepancies and at times the audio was quite bad after hearing all of the hoopla there was like, like scenes on a boat which i couldn't really hear what the hell they're on about sometimes people would like the protagonist would just we're just going to talk about this and he was like i i'm thinking what are you on about i don't know what I, it's just they just talk quietly which i do think is a bit of a stupid decision by nolan um because he's had this problem before obviously like bane and yeah. another films where the dialogue isn't firstly the dialogue isn't always great with nolan that's one of his that yeah. is almost like a trope of nolan films he isn't the the best writer of dialogue he's not the worst by any means um but if it's not yeah. an exposition dump then it's sometimes a bit ham ham fisted and but the dialogue was a bit it wasn't as bad as i thought it was going to be at the actual like audio quality i thought it was going to be awful but do you know what Nine, like 99% of it i could understand but there were a few times where I can totally see where if you want to, even on a big screen, when everything's rushing by, you you, you wouldn't be able to catch what was going on. But um, I liked the action sequences, like you said. There's a couple of set pieces and sequences, especially the first one, which I did like. But then going further into the film, some of the action sequences, which play into the whole time aspect, are very well, very well um, delivered, very well executed, and are visually very good as well. You know, the, visual, the visuals in this film are very decent. The performances are good. The Elizabeth Debicki is very much like the soul of the film, the heart and soul of the film, because I didn't really, I wasn't really bothered by anybody else. John David Washington's very good. Robert Pattinson is very good, but you know you, you can't cling to them. There's no human, there's no warmth to these characters. There's nothing to really. They, they just oh, get on with what they need to, which is their role. Um, of course, they're not there to make friends with people. But um, see, I was Elizabeth- invested in their friendship. Um, the Pattinson and John David. I was interested in their friendship, but I wasn't necessarily invested. I liked I liked their kind of chemistry together, but in terms of when they're off by themselves and that, they kind of very much played to the role they're meant to, which is just soulless kind of empty people. Um, and Kenneth Branagh, well, <laughs> look at doing his best Triple H look. He we um, it's very interesting. Oh, a very interesting Russian accent and. Mm. It's just Kenneth Branagh. You know, we we know you know what you're going to get from Kenneth Branagh. He's always very much uh, an actor. You know, he's always going to give it everything, and he does here. And I wasn't overly sold by his villainous turn, which yeah. also took took me out of the film a little bit. But I was like, there was one moment where he just screams. He just oh. start, he just screams, "Look at me!" I was like, <laughs> "You Heath Ledger did this twelve years ago, and it's and it's like bone chilling." Yes, this wasn't is. quite as good but um yeah. you know, there's, there's some great imax shots as well like you mentioned I, I didn't get the aspect ratio changes on my version but i but you can see which certain shots were just pure imax and there's a, there's a, there's a line of dialogue at the beginning of the film 
which I think other people have picked up on. I'm not going to claim this, but it, I, as soon as I heard it, I was like, right, I'm typing that. Don't try to understand it. Just feel it. And I was thinking, is that Nolan winking at the winking at us as if to say, look, don't try to look too deep into it. Go along for the ride and see where it gets you. But I think multiple viewings will enhance your experience of this. But this isn't a film I want to go back and watch multiple times. Not because I didn't like it, but because I wasn't sucked in enough to think, do you know what, I really want to go and watch that and unravel it, which I think would be a lot of the problem for people watching this. Will they want to go back uh, in a film that almost forces you to go back to rewatch it? Are people going to want to do that? Um, I'm not entirely sure that they, they, they will want to, but um, I was looking at the box office for this as well. It's called a flop. But, I mean, it made 362 yeah. million worldwide off a 200 million budget. So in those in those numbers, yes, it is. But you obviously remember the world we live in, John and myself. We're yeah. we're, we're theatre dudes. We want to go and sit in those plush seats and have hopefully not too much of a sticky floor and watch in the biggest screen possible. We yeah. couldn't do that, so they've lost out on our thirty bucks or whatever it would be um, together. Uh, but saying that, even if I did watch this in the theatre, I'm not sure how much it would have heightened my experience. The the big scenes would have looked bigger and sounded better, but the story still would have been a bit too... For me, it was just a bit clunky. It's very, it's a bit confusing. Uh, it seemed a bit messy at times. And I think Christopher Nolan got a bit too clever at other times. But as a an action mystery thriller, you know, strip, strip it away to its bare bones, there are some very, very good moments in this film. But it didn't hit me like I wanted it to, man. Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying it's perfect either. Like, I'm totally acknowledging that there are some some bumps and flaws but i i was not bothered or deterred by those things and um i'm willingly admitting i am a fanboy and he'd have to do something pretty pretty bad for me to like really not be happy with it mm-hmm. i acknowledge for sure that there are there are flaws and those flaws were not enough for me to like not enjoy the movie i i like the complexity i like the idea see one of the things I like about Nolan is that he messes with time because I am always really fascinated by time. And so it's something I was already interested in and Nolan tends to, to lean on that. And I, I mm-hmm. enjoy that. So, um, and I, I don't know, I never really felt confused by the plot, but it's also, I, I guess I am so open to this, like the craziness of the time structure that I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah give it to me. I'm so intrigued by this. Cause I totally get, time means nothing and i love seeing how he like will play with that and so all of that just kind of works for me and mm-hmm. um, when he started throwing in like algorithms and horcruxes and things like this i think what the uh i think right i need to i need to work out what does that mean very quickly who's that person what what do they mean what does that what is this particular sentence or statement so or much of that though, mean? is like MacGuffins, right like we don't really need to understand it as much oh, as it just so as it turns out <laughs> yeah um, and, but I, my, I think my, I think the weakest part of the film and it's a weird kind of complaint is Brana though, because he is so actor like he, he, yeah, especially cause you know, it's not like, I, I know he's an actor, he's classically trained, but when I see him, I immediately am aware that it's him. Like I, I've <laughs> never sucked into his character. I'm always like, up oh, here's Brana doing things. Yeah. And like the Russian accent is not like, it's not even that it's bad. It's just like, yeah, that's an actor doing a Russian accent. Like I know he you're not Russian. Brana. He is a Russian. No, that's yeah. not even, he is a Russian. That's really old. That's, that was the worst Russian accent. It was kind of French, uh, but it was, uh, <laughs> but you know, it, he's not, it's, he's not convincing. He's not really scary. Um, I also like, 
I don't know. There's, it's just he's. I think the weakest element. He didn't of, have a presence as a villain. I don't think. Yeah, and it's like again because I just see him acting. I see him like, oh, I'm gonna be a villain. All right, I'm a villain. It's like, uh but you're not. Mm-hmm. You're not really. You're a guy pretending to be a villain in a I movie. I loved him as Gilderoy Lockhart. I think he was great in that yes. role. But see, there's a, that's like the smug jerk, and I kind of yep. th- I see that on Brana. Like everything he does feels so pretentious and <laughs> like, um. So, and again, I, I didn't dislike him in the movie so much, but I just felt like I, every time he was on, I'm just like so aware that it's him. Where like, like I, I that's John David Washington, but I'm, it, it feels like the protagonist and Pattinson, especially, I thought Pattinson was really charming in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I haven't, I feel like most of the time he's not playing such a like supporting character. Um where even when he's not the lead, he's usually only in the movie a little bit. Where here he's like a true sidekick, and I can't think of another movie where that's the, the, um, the case. The Lost City of Z, maybe. I was wondering that one, but I haven't seen that one, so that's yeah. Okay, he's I uh, God. That film was oh, that was a drag. Um, he's very much the sidekick there to Charlie Hunnam's you know lackluster lead. Um, but no, yeah. When I saw Robert Pattinson in this film, because I remember when he was cast, and it was just before the Batman and people were thinking, wow, you know, Robert Pattinson's coming off this string of great indie hits and get it, and his star is on the rise once more. Now he's being cast as to what we thought in the lead of a Christopher Nolan film. And now he's the Batman. It's like, you know, things can only get better. But even if he is a side character, he always he's always very good. And I know that's the cool thing to say now, but we've been saying it for a long time. But he is always very good in whatever role he brings. And he's, and he's good in Tenet as well. Yeah, yeah. And that, so all those things... Um... I enjoyed it. I am not disappointed with my purchase. I actually, I really want to rewatch it again. And I think what will keep me from doing it is the time more so than any of the elements of the film. Like <laughs> it's knowing that it's like two and a half hours. I don't know that I'm going to throw that on just uh, randomly. A uh, quick side note too: Aaron Taylor Johnson's in this movie. And I did not recognize him no, for a the minute. Threw it for me. Yeah. I like, I'm like, this guy seems familiar. Who is it? And then yes. I also don't think I've ever heard him do his, the English accent, which apparently is his accent, um, which is his accent. Yeah. yeah but it, he sounded a little more Australian to me in this movie, but I'm used to him playing an American character. Like, I feel like he, in Godzilla, uh, kick ass, you know, he's just an American kid or whatever. Um, and I never listened to this accent because a lot of people get the English and Australian. Yes. And, and as a limey, I don't quite know. I pom, I don't quite know why that is, but yeah, he's from high Wickham, which is, not a million miles away from where I am. So, uh, but yeah, I didn't recognize him either, even though he was speaking in his native tongue. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I don't dislike him. I don't think he's a great actor, but I, I, you know, I like him in things. And I thought he was solid here. Um, again, unrecognizable for me. I was like, who, who is this guy? Oh, wow. It's Aaron Taylor Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, overall, I really like Tenet and Matt is, uh, also positive, but a little yeah. less. So. Yeah. I, I still, I still enjoyed it. I, um, I was hoping to like it more just because, you know, the first trailer really grabbed my attention. I'm like, mm-hmm. this looks great. And also, um, I know we mentioned him, probably mentioned him later on as well, but also just a props to Ludwig Gomerson's score, which was excellent oh, yeah. because I'd forgotten he was scoring this and I thought it was Hans Zimmer Me again too. with Nolan. I'd and, so did I. Well, when I remembered. Because Zimmer does the, ever since inception, especially the, like the very ambient kind of like metallic noises that are just... Yeah, which there. opened this film as well. Mm-hmm. The film time. opened with a very Zimmer kind of rising, 
Um, and then it was it wasn't until a little bit further in, not not much further in, about twenty minutes, I was like, oh, this sounds a bit like the Mandalorian or something from that. And then I remembered it was uh, Ludwig Joransson doing the score, and I I really I, from Black Panther and this and Mando and others, I'm really digging his work, man. So, yeah. but no, I did, I did like the film. It, it just I just wish it was it just wasn't as good or as uh, positive as I hoped it would be, but I still enjoyed it. I do want to point out um, one other thing that may have contributed to my liking of the film more is I uh, I feel like I'd heard people complain about the sound, so I watched it with subtitles on, um, which, <laughs> which, I don't, which I don't always do, but I, I did. And even like halfway through, uh, Big Tuna saw that I posted on Letterboxd that I was watching it, and he was like, are you watching with subtitles? I'm like, yes. He's like, good idea. I was like, cool. I, I, I usually watch with subtitles just just so I don't miss any quirks in the or any of that. Sometimes films have important messages in the background which you may not hear. Um, but I didn't bother with this one, and but now I kind of wish I did. Yeah, so I don't know if that helped my understanding of everything because like I I've gotten pretty good at like reading subtitles without realizing that I'm reading them. You know, like mm-hmm. it just feels like I'm hearing things. Um, and so. I think like I didn't really feel like they were helping much, but based on your criticism again of the sound, cause like big tuna, I'm like, maybe they fixed the sound cause I didn't notice anything, but you it just said the same. Thought it was going to be. And I, I bet you it's better on our home systems anyways. Cause it's not like, I think you, you know, depending on like the system setup, like with the bass and stuff in the theater, like you might, it might really drown out um, yeah. that where if you're just using like basic speakers on a TV, but I, I, uh, I did have subtitles on. Um, I considered watching with headphones, and I did not do that. But I did have the that subtitles helped so. as well. But they, they 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 may also have tweaked it for the home release as well slightly. So um, there's that too, because that's what I, I thought. It, I genuinely thought it would be unintelligible at times, and it literally only a, a, a few scenes I had trouble hearing. Yeah. Um, some of it's because they're, they're they are wearing like gas masks at points, and they have helmets, which is the bane issue. I think Nolan doesn't seem to like to do ADR. I don't think for those scenes, no. um, and which he did redo Dark Knight Rises, if I remember correctly. Like well, he they, had to, yeah, yeah. It was really was unintended. When you listen back, it's on YouTube. When you listen to it, it's it's uh, some of the worst sound I've ever heard in a big blockbuster film was the original Bane voice. Yeah, I don't know what it is with him in that. Like why he seems to insist on it. Uh, not being like like ADR is a thing, man. Everybody does it. Did uh right? Would would how much do you reckon Tenet would have made in a non-COVID world? And has Christopher Nolan saved theaters? Has he saved the industry? He definitely hasn't saved the industry. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't. What made it worse? I feel like the hype around this movie being a bigger box office is a little something like like his movies do well but with the exception of the dark knight trilogy which definitely had a built-in audience i don't think yeah. his movies do tremendous at the box office like no. um inception i didn't even see in theater and uh nor the prestige um i did see interstellar and at that point i was like a much bigger nolan fan by the time uh, interstellar came out um but and i think interstellar did really well but i think that had the mcconaughey buzz because that was not too long after he won the oscar um, and it had the Nolan like this is the Dark Knight trilogy is over. Uh, this is the next thing. If I remember correctly, time wise, I think that is correct. And then uh, Dunkirk, I feel like underperformed. Yeah. Um, yeah, you probably I would imagine Tenet probably would have made what maybe five hundred million. So yeah, exactly one hundred fifty million difference. And I guess the only other question actually is, I know that that there has been more films released than the mainstream media would have you believe, but in a in a in a year where 
we haven't seen that many releases. What are the Oscar chances for Tenet? Not necessarily winning the big one, but will it get more of a look in than possibly it would have done in a bigger uh, release schedule? Um, I, I, I could see this getting some Oscar buzz. Uh, but honestly, if he was going to get an Oscar, I would have thought for Interstellar or Dunkirk. Um, mm-hmm. That has, especially Dunkirk. Dunkirk has more of a prestige vibe because of the war element, because the Oscars tend to lean heavy on war films. And um, if I remember, he didn't get nominated for that one either. Um, um, I can't remember if he got nominated. I think he got nominated for Best Picture. I don't think he yeah. got nominated for Best Director, but. Um, He's been mostly look. snubbed as Best Director, and I think it's going to continue because he is not. The way he came up is not traditional. Um, so I think there's a little, like, reservation to uh to give him the award even though he is such a proponent for like the traditional studio setup and he mm. you know he's pretty much worked exclusively for warner brothers you know it's a shame um, oh he did actually get a best director nomination for dunkirk okay see and it, i if that was gonna if he was gonna win i would have thought for that now like you said this year is kind of a little more open but um there's a lot of talk with uh chloe Zhao getting the nomination for um nomadland Nomadland, yeah. And also uh, Regina King for um, One Night in Miami, which mm-hmm. I would love to see either one of those w- women get it, considering only Catherine Bigelow has ever won uh, as a female, and there has never been a um, non-white director award. So, um, That's a great shout. Well, no, I mentioned it last week. Nomadland seems to be seems to be the odds on for most of the most of the big ones. Best director, best picture as well. And um, but, uh, Frances McDormand is best actress so yeah. that may end up doing a sweep potentially which, which i mean I, the the one thing i i kind of hate about it is i feel like the the woman who gets the best director is going to have like an asterisk that this was a weird year because movies weren't released or whatever and that'll be a shame yeah. um but still i'd rather i'd rather see the oscars continue to diversify who they nominate and stuff so oh for sure man for sure uh, but yeah um i haven't seen that film nomadland yet but yeah, i did yeah. see tenet and i thought it was all right Yep, I liked it. Um, I don't think it's best picture, but it is. I think it's the best action film of the year, um, mm-hmm. at, at least that I can think of off the top of my head. That said, that's our review of Tenet. Let's get into the next segment where we look at chopped headlines. These are movie or pop culture news that caught our attention. I'm excited to, to hear yours, Matt, because I saw this headline and I did not click on the article. So I'm curious, uh, what did you find this week? Well, I found there has been a lot of news this week. The MGM want to sell up and um, other things as well. But one which I wanted to dive into was a Screen Rant or Screen Rant article by Simon Gallagher. And it's the best Netflix original movies of 2020. Now, this felt perfect because pretty much since, you know, COVID really started to take over March, April time, we've been almost, almost ubiquitously doing Netflix films. We've had Amazon films and other streaming services too, but... Mainly, John and myself have been reviewing Netflix films because that's mainly they've been the biggest releases of the year. And tie that into the fact that uh, traditionally Netflix films are viewed with a, you know, a a raised eyebrow for the most part because the quality isn't always great. You might get one in, you know, 10, one in eight, one in seven, which are really quite good. And the rest are usually kind of like um, horse poo. But I wanted to see what, uh, Screen Rant had as their top ten uh, Netflix films of the year, and so and as it would turn out between us, I believe me and John have seen all of them. I believe apart from maybe one. So um, the at number ten, I know you, I know you like this one, Eurovision Song Contest: The Story of Fire Saga. Yes, I liked it. 
number nine, we both like this one. The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Yep. We uh, are number eight. Uh, fans of that dude. Aaron Sorkin, that was his name. That's it, Chicago 7 was number 9. Number 8 is The Old Guard, the um, Charlize Theron action film with Dudley Dursley. Yep, great. Love that movie. Number 7, I know you've seen this one, I believe. I'm thinking of ending things. Charlie Kaufman. Yes, recently. And yeah, I'm a big fan of that. That's in my uh, top 20 or so for the year. Would that be your number 7 Netflix film of the year? Considering I've obviously got 6 more to say, but... Yeah, would you would you put it higher in your Netflix films? I'd have to look for sure, but it's definitely one of my favorite Netflix originals from this year. Okay, number six, Enola Holmes. Uh, Sherlock Holmes is wow. uh, kind of family member relation. Millie Bobby Brown's in this one. Um, yeah. I like this film. I thought it was pretty cool. I liked it. I have uh, not watched this time. yet, but I can't believe it's that high. That seems really high to me. Um, well, considering it's above. I mean, the I'm thinking yeah. of ending things, which you were very up on. Um, the old guard, maybe. Uh, the sh- trial of the Chicago 7, I thought, would have been higher. But, uh, potentially than Enola Holmes, but this is just obviously one man's um, preference. But number right. five, I don't know if you saw this film or not, but we reviewed it on Death by Pod a few months ago on uh, Halloween. And it's His House. I don't know if you saw that or not. I haven't yet. It's on my radar, though. Uh, his house we both very much enjoyed it i thought it was great blocky said it's probably her favorite horror film of the entire year uh and it's a netflix film so if you like uh netflix horror independent horror and this is this has got some great messages in it and some cool twists on um on established tropes his house is very much worth your time uh number four it's a film i'm going to mention shortly it's ma rainey's black bottom Mm -hmm. chadwick boseman's final one screen performance I haven't seen it yet. It's on my, my to-watch list, uh, very high up on that list. Uh, number three is one we've both seen because we covered it. The Five Bloods is number three. Yep. That might be above uh, thinking of anything uh, for me because I, I, I'm on a huge Spike Lee kick, and I really like that movie a lot. There we go. Number two was one we did very recently, Mank. Mank, David Fincher's Mank is number two, and we both uh, we both enjoyed that film. Yeah. And number one, this is a film I haven't I haven't seen this iteration of the film. I don't know if you've seen it, but number one for Simon Gallagher and Screen Rant for Netflix was The Boys in the Band, which is um, the Ryan Murphy produced adaptation of the Matt Crowley stage play, which Billy Friedkin did way back in 1968. And oh. um, Sheldon from uh, The Big Bang Theory, uh, really? Jim Parsons, he stars in it. And this is I haven't seen this particular one, but it's their number one. Netflix original. Apparently, it's it's less it, it, the drama is a lot more uh, hard hitting in this version because obviously, obviously the world that we live in is a lot different than it was in the sixties. So they really play yeah. up to that. And um, did you? Is this one you're going to check out? The boys in the band. I actually hadn't even heard about it, so uh, mm-hmm. I just added it to my watch list, and it's got Parsons, Quinto, Zachary Quinto's in it, and that's the only other. I don't know any of these other people, but. Um, at least not by name. Well, Jack O'Connell sounds familiar, but um, I I like Jim Parsons. I have not. I I feel like he has not translated well as a lead in a movie to mm-hmm. date. Um, so I'm curious to see if he does it here. Uh, but yeah, I I remember because wasn't the freaking film wasn't it in one of the years that we covered on astrology? It was. It was our most recent episode, which went out this ah, week. Of recording, 1968. Um. It was the stage play is very uh, Crowley's stage play is very popular. Friedkin, as he does, adapted the work, and 
it was more hard hitting and uh, powerful than the stage play. Though many, uh, the majority of people preferred the stage play over the film version of it. Uh, I haven't seen the stage play to be able to say anything. Whereas this one is still set in the sixties, but they just take a different um, view of the LGBTQ uh, story because that's what the whole story is about. So there's obviously twenty twenty view on it. So it's going to be interesting to watch that, man. Yeah, I definitely want to uh, check that out. I, there's a few uh, movies. I think my plan is uh, I'm concluding with, um, like, it's right before Christmas. I'm trying to, like, binge through some Christmas movies I hadn't watched yet. Like, today I watched Black Christmas, which I'm going to talk about momentarily. But mm-hmm. I want to watch, like, Krampus and Better Watch Out maybe today. Like, kind of do, like, all the my favorite horror ones, like, in, nice. in one day. But uh, so, but my hope is between Christmas Day and New Year's Day to hit the big 2020 movies that I haven't seen yet. So that that's going to be one on my list now. Yeah, man, I've I've got that as well. I've literally got a list now what to just binge watch through because uh, we do it individually, but together we also kind of collate uh, and give our favorite films of the year just gone, which will be 2020. So I've got that in the back of my mind that I also want to start coming up with a best of the year list. And I don't want to have it kind of half-assed where I've missed out a lot of the films. But um, in terms of my favourite Netflix film of the year, it may be His House or Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I very, really, really enjoyed that. Chicago 7 was also really good. Um, I'll put you on the spot. What would you say was your favourite Netflix film of the year? Uh, I think it's, I'm thinking of ending things uh, with yeah. the, or The Five Bloods. I'm, I, I'm leaning, recent but recency bias is I just saw... I'm thinking of anything more recently than uh, the Five Bloods, but I really like the the Five Bloods a lot. I'm again a big Spike Lee fan, um, so it'd be one of those. But I, I am I really like what Kaufman does. I like his surrealist style, so I, I think I'm leaning that way. There we go. Then so uh, that was the ten best original Netflix films of 2020 according to Screen Rant. So let us know if you agree with those, or if you've seen them all, or any piqued your interest. But that was my headline, John. What was uh, what was yours for this week? So my headline is kind of a joke, uh, but I, I didn't see any of like the real serious ones being something I wanted to talk about. But apparently uh, our country, the U.S., has we're working on something called Space Force. Um, that's the thing. And yep. uh, they announced that they're going to be calling the people who are um, like the, the soldiers, I guess, guardians. And so James Gunn, uh, director and writer for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and 2 and the upcoming Volume 3, um, quickly went to Twitter to kind of make a joke that uh, they he could sue them for, like, stealing the idea of Guardians, um, which then got, you know, people people on the right side of the, the politics don't really like James Gunn very much. James Gunn's been very outspoken, and um, so he got a lot of kickback and uh, some jokes were made. It was a lot of fun. Um but just it's it's very odd that in a in a time when we're like people are dying that our government's like hey but you know that space police that we're working on for who knows what reason we're gonna call them guardians and i'm just like oh, okay all right i guess that's relevant like who are we policing like you know uh Okay, but James Gunn making it funny. Um, I I couldn't help but uh, read that article, and that was also a Screen Rant article uh, by coincidence. I mean, where do you? I mean, where do you start? Where do you end with this absolute like cow pat of a story? What the hell is that? Uh, that government doing when they feel like they need a space military with a Star Trek logo and yeah, just, just, just come on, you, you know, space force. 
come on. I mean, if, uh, yeah. maybe if they spent more money on bloody COVID testing or better politicians at the top than Space Force, now maybe the maybe the idiot in chief would have had more of a say in or more of a chance of staying in. But honestly, mate, honestly, uh, just 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 reading the line itself. Like, not only have they got Space Force, and I don't want to get too political, even though I just have Space Force from the outside in and probably from the inside out is the stupidest thing to come out. One of the stupidest things to come out this year in this administration, sorry. But then to call them like guardians, heritage, mission, culture, a name chosen by space professionals for space professionals. Like oh. you said, what are they guarding? What are they the guardians of? Out of space? Yeah. Are the aliens coming? Do we, is there something we don't know about? It's just... Uh, the, the story, though, with James Gunn... Um, I found that very funny how he was like, yeah, rebuting everybody coming in. Well, actually, the Guardians have been around for 30 years and the, ga- yeah. the gal- Guardians of the Galaxy for the last 60. Um, I- I've enjoyed those back and forwards, but I just can't get my head around the stupidity of Space, <laughs> space Force. And of course, it's even funnier because there was this, the Netflix series, I think this year. Yes, Steve Carell. Yeah, that you're just like, that happened? Like, what is what is going on? Like, I'm so so confused by all of that so yeah uh that caught my attention i had to read it couldn't help it um oh mate i wish i hadn't i've just got one more to throw in which i've just seen actually sure. and this is this actually ties into something you we've mentioned for the last year but something which you need to do and you are doing soon um as you you uh revealed to me the other week but uh apparently david gordon green is in talks to direct a reboot of the exorcist 2 or just the exorcist 2 for Blumhouse. Um, oh. So I'm not entirely sure if that's a, a reboot in itself, but or if it is a sequel to the original Exorcist. If it's a reboot of the of the second one, that could be hilarious. But I believe, I believe they're going full Halloween and they're going to retcon the other Exorcist films, which sucks because the third one is almost almost as good as the first, and have this be the, the actual follow up to the Exorcist because Billy Freakin recently said. No money, no motivation, no nothing could ever make, ever make me go back and rework on The Exorcist because it's the best film of all time, isn't it? But apparently, David Gordon Green wants to make a follow up and retcon the other film, so um, be better watch it before it gets canned. I wonder, um, I wonder why David Gordon Green's like taking this on of like I'm the official retcon for like bad horror movies. Is that and for Blumhouse as well? Yeah, so I, I mean, cool. It's just like. It's weird that he's now doing two franchises um, like that. But hey, you know, uh, cool. I, I'm not opposed. Okay. I'd rather see a a spiritual sequel to the first film, even though that was called The Exorcist 3, than a reboot of the first film. But hell, may never happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. I, I'm intrigued. Uh, I like I like the Halloween reboot so far. I have, obviously mm-hmm. haven't seen the next one, but uh, I'm, I'm excited about the next one. So yeah. That's that's interesting, it, uh, man. Don't have I? I will be watching Exorcist two next year uh, for the movie club <laughs> podcast. It is official. Yeah. It's on the docket. Um, I'm making Corey watch it with me, so I'm dragging someone else into the the world uh, of of bad movie. Apparently, so yeah. Uh, those are our chuffed headlines for this week. Um, let's get into media consumption. This is uh, movies, TV, video games, podcast, not ours, of course, and uh, anything else in that realm that we use to pass the time. We've been adding music into this more and more um, as we've been both kind of diving into music a bit more uh, the last couple of months. So 
Uh, Matt, what have you been consuming since the last time we recorded? Um, I have been consuming a few films and low and shock and horror one streaming series as well via Netflix, plus something which we're both going to talk about in a minute. Uh, in terms of the streaming series, I've been watching a film, uh, a, a series sorry, called Sweet Home on Netflix, and it's a Korean zombie series. And I only checked it out because uh, and long-term listeners of the show will know that I don't watch streaming series, not because I don't like them, but I've just never really got never been able to just convince myself that, yes, I'm going to commit this amount of time to watching something. But I, I was on Netflix the other day at the weekend, uh, and it has the you know trending trending in your country, trending in the UK in this case, uh, and like number three or something was something called Sweet Home, and I was like, oh, and it it, it looked like a zombie f- film, so I was like, oh, I'll check this out. Press play, and it was and the first obviously the first episode is only what forty odd minutes, fifty forty five minutes long. And I was like, oh, it's a series, but now I've watched the first one, I kind of feel like I should watch more. Um, so I've watched four of these now. And uh, I think there's only seven or eight in this first season. And it pretty much is just a, it's a, a zombie apocalypse, basically. And humanity has to survive. And it's pr- uh, pretty much the same as you've seen in every other zombie apocalypse. Humanity has to survive story. And it's okay. Just, I thought I'd say, but mm-hmm. now I've started it. This is my problem with watching shows. Now I've started it. I've got to finish it, even though I think it's just okay. I think it's pretty good. I don't think it's amazing. But now I've got to watch the whole thing. I've only got a few more episodes to watch. But if you like, um, I think it's Kore- Korean zombie apocalypse um, streaming series and Sweet Home's quite good. Have you ever heard of that? I had not, um, but I totally get the uh, that compulsion. Um, that's That was me in Titans where I was just like, I don't I don't even really want to finish it, but I feel like I have to finish it. So, um, no. but yeah, uh, I, you know, it. It's not in the same universe as like Peninsula or Train to Busan, though, right? No, no, or even Hashtag Alive, no. Ah, but I, I like all of those movies you just like. Well, two that I mentioned, and then a Hashtag Alive. So I'm I'm intrigued to to check it out. Yeah, it was better than Peninsula was for me. I found anyway. But um, I've also got into the spirit slightly and been watching. I've watched Home Alone because why wouldn't you want to hear John Williams' uh, iconic Home Alone score at this time of year? Um, I love that film. I've always enjoyed that film as a yep. kid. Always, always watched it. It's always on uh, television over here. I have it on physical media as well. It's just almost compulsory viewing now over the Christmas period. Obviously, you've all seen Home Alone. I imagine if you haven't, you know, you might want to sort that out. So there's not much more to say about Home Alone other than it's a lot of fun. It's a classic kids film. Um, I've also, a classic Christmas film, sorry. Mm. Uh, I also watched La La Land this weekend because, as I say, Tier 4 came into... Uh, play in the UK, the whole country pretty much at the click of a finger just went into meltdown because the tier four means that it is lockdown. You can't leave your house Christmas. You can't go to see your friends and family and loved ones over Christmas. It's it's cancelled pretty much, which hit a lot of people hard, um, me included, because just you know you want to see your family or your loved ones over this time of year, and especially in a year which has been so crap as this. Christmas was almost like that kind of like respite. We could go and kind of have a day or two of just having a good time, but not anymore. So I was like, oh, I'm feeling it down the dumps. I'm going to put La La Land on. That's my comfort film. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that film, man. I'm I'm tapping my feet along with it. I'm I'm balling my my eyes out at the end. I'm thinking oh, I wish I looked like Ryan Gosling throughout the whole thing <laughs> and um, marveling at Chazelle's uh, direction throughout. So 
La La Land I watched and uh, the aforementioned Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I watched this. It dropped on Netflix uh, a few days ago now. And it's obviously Chadwick Boseman's final appearance. Uh, and also stars Viola Davis, who I'm always interested in. Viola Davis is in a film. And I really, 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 really liked this film. I thought it was excellent. I really did think it was great. And there was a lot of buzz around it, obviously, because it was Chadwick's final appearance. And, I, you know, you, you're never too sure, if I can be, be so bold. You're never too sure if the buzz is because people want it to be good or people are putting it on a pedestal for that reason. But no, Chadwick Boseman, as you'd expect, is very good in this. Viola Davis is excellent in this. As Again, as you would expect, it's a powerful film. It's a really, really good film. It's emotional. and I would happily recommend watching this to everyone out there. We're talking about Oscar buzz. I think this is going to be in the shake-up for quite a few categories as well. Um, and it was, I wanted it to be good because I remember I mentioned a few weeks ago, about a month ago maybe, that I'd watched the trailer and I really thought the trailer was good. Now I was hoping that the film would be great. And for me, I'm I'm pleased to say that Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is really, really a good film and absolutely recommend it. And I know you mentioned earlier on that you're going to be checking this out. Oh yeah. Yeah. We had uh, originally had this on the slate to um, review and then Tenet was coming out, and then next week's episode, HBO decided to give us a gift for Christmas, um, and so those got those kind of pushed this smaller film off of the the uh, this, the podcast list. But it's definitely on my radar, so I'm all over it at some point in the near future. I I know which I know, now, now having seen both, I know which one I would give the positive review to more so. But uh, again, <laughs> totally different film. So, um, and finally. Uh, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a sad day in the Hudson household and households around the globe as The Mandalorian Season 2 came to an end with Episode 8, Chapter 16, The Rescue. I, I called that title and it's probably the most obvious title there is, but um, my full thoughts are on the SWS Mando recap plus the like, round table we've dropped as well. But um, I, I like this episode an awful lot. Surprise, surprise, I did really like it. Obviously, the ending elevated what was... Otherwise, a pretty standard Mando episode. The ending elevated it to like god tier levels, uh, regardless of some janky effects. I I really like this, mate. I again, I've, I've mentioned on the recap, but uh, I've never cried at a Star Wars film, but I cried my eyes out at the end of the uh, end of this um, episode. I, I really did, and by the sounds of it, so and it wasn't for uh, any particular cameo. It was it was a parting of ways. I was, <laughs> and even when I rewatched it, I was doing it as well. So I think I've, um, I think this year's just softened me up when it comes to space operas, but I really like the Mandalorian. Obviously the cameo looking back is the most obvious one they could have used, but it was still like, they, they went there, put it like that. There was a couple of great scenes with, uh, with the women, the women of the universe, kicking some ass, uh, Cara Dune, Fennec Shan, Bo-Katan and, uh, Sasha Banks, Cosca Reeves, just absolutely poning, Stormtroopers, I thought that was brilliant, organically done as well. Um, and, you know, Boba. Boba's always good to see Boba in Slave 1, but it set up season three and Moff Gideon, Espacita's Moff Gideon was so good in this. So, so good in this. Such a devilish bastard. Mm. Um, I, I set up season three really intriguingly for me now. I think I know where they're going to go with it, but now we've got to wait a whole year for it. But, um, because I, I told John to stay off, I said don't go on social media because JB had to. We couldn't catch it before work. Don't go go on social media. Try and st- try and watch it clean. 
what did you think of the episode all over, man? Oh, I liked it a lot. Um, I was uh, surprised. I didn't put together it until you just said Sasha Banks, and she's like a WWE superstar, and I didn't realize that was her until you said it, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, in episode three yeah. as well. I didn't. I don't always look at the cast list. Uh, like, and I, I used to be a really big wrestling fan. I, I'm less involved with it now, but I am still familiar with like the wrestler. So when you said the name, I was like, hold up, what now? Um, well, she goes by her actual name in the credits, which is Mercedes something. Uh, Varnado. Var- Var- I'm, I'm going to go with like Varnado, like a tornado. Um, Varnado. That's it. I like that. That that sounds more like a wrestling name, to be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, I. I definitely like the episode a lot. Um, I, I'm so on board with Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, like, I mean, the dude's been acting forever, but I didn't mm-hmm. become aware of him until Breaking Bad. And now I've like gone and seen a lot of his older stuff. And just the dude is such an amazing actor and he can do everything. I, sw- I, I feel like he can literally do any role and just elevates it and brings it something new and i sent you an article today which probably should have been my article but there's buzz about him possibly being dr do in the dr doom in the yeah. mcu and i am all about that like i can yep. hear it dude the gravitas in his voice <laughs> it would oh he would kill I'm that for that um so i'm i am i hope that happens um because man if, if he's think about the star wars universe if it has anything positive it is the villains right darth vader amazing villain right and then um i don't know about the prequels if you want to argue that palpatine's a great villain but palpatine is a cool villain throughout the whole franchise but kylo ren was is my favorite part of the the sequel trilogy and i think as much as i love mando the character mandal you know mando i love moff gideon like i'm i'm all i wanted to know more i was so excited when we got a little bit because he's barely in season one you know, we got a little bit more of him here, but they still tease him more than really give him to us. But this last episode, we got to really see him in action, and I was loving it. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff I don't fully grasp because I'm not as familiar with Bo-Katan because I haven't watched Clone Wars. Um, and I got to tell you, dude, this this made me want to watch Clone Wars more than it has in a while. And then I looked at the episode count and I'm like, okay, I don't want to watch all of the episodes. So I started looking for like lists where they, they can just watch these episodes. And oh, so there's no consensus list from what I could find. Uh, and they, it felt more like homework doing it that way because you have to like jump around so much. I was just like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to watch Clone Wars after That's all. I've problem. I, there is a, my friend Ant has got a list. I think it was by IGN. I think, of all of the arcs, so all of the arcs, because it's Clone Wars is um pretty much done in like arcs, like four four episode arcs or whatever it might be, and it kind of gives you like here's the ones you kind of here's the ones you should watch, here and and the episode numbers, and for the most part, ninety nine percent of it they're in like chronological order. So, um, like if it's if it's episode fifty, then it'll be one fifty one two three four, um, and maybe ones you should not be bothered by. So I'll try and get that for you, my friend, but. Um, but that's what they wanted. And as a, somebody who spends lots of money and time on the law, so the comics, the books, the games, everything is so rewarding for them to actually ban the animated series. So for them to actually bother using it rather than like the sequel trilogy did, they kind of discarded all of this kind of canon to kind of then retcon a lot of it because they hadn't used the story group for what they were there for. And the man though, though, it's bringing in, bringing in characters from the books from the animated series uh is is gratifying uh, satisfying as well and 
what you've just said is precisely what they wanted, other than the bit at the end. is They will want people to be like, hey, this Boca Town's pretty cool. Where can I find out more about her? This is so cool. It's cool. Oh, there's a Clone Wars. There's a Rebels. I'll go and watch those. And that's exactly what they want, isn't it? Is Cara, Cara Dune's an original character for Mando, though, Yes, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. Because um, I, like, I like her character. I'm very, you know, like what she's doing. I also, I think Gina Car- Carano is doing really great. Um, I, I love Mando, though, which is, I think, really important. Um, I do feel like he, I, I, at times, he gets lost in the shuffle of all of the stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, I really like what they're doing with him and Pedro's performance. Um, that, you know, we're on a first name basis, me and, and Mr. Pascal. Um, Pascal. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely like the season. Um, I, I like the end. I, I'm curious. I don't think I have the same. Uh, I don't think I feel like I know where the show is going for sure. I have a few ideas that I would love to see. I Partly, I'd like to see them time jump ahead a little bit um, mm-hmm. and not go like, because this, this season picked up almost exactly where last season left off, right? It was like pretty much, later. yeah. So I wouldn't mind seeing a few years have passed when we come back to it. Mm-hmm. I think um, they'll do that. You think so? I think I think they will. And I think they, where this season left off, of course, I'm, for those who haven't seen I'm not going to spoil it. But um, from where this season ended off, I think they kind of have to. I mean, because where I think they're going to go, I mean, you can start it straight away. But I would like to see even even like a year's time has passed, but even just a year to allow differences to become greater or bonds to become stronger. Um, I I think they will have a time jump. I mean, ideally, I'd love it to be like five years, but I don't think they're going to be that bold. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't even thinking more, but yeah, um, partly, again, because of one of the, the elements of the ending, which again, we don't want to spoil, so I won't say what it is, but there is something that happens at the very, very end that I think would be interesting to jump further ahead so that we mm. can see the results of it. Um, more prominently and completely unrelated, but related to a few things we were talking about before about watching more 2020 movies. Uh, I'm a big fan of the trip movies, but I haven't seen the 2020 trip to Greece, which I, yeah. I actually forgot existed. It is on Hulu now. So I'm super stoked because I'm totally going to watch that this weekend. Um, Cause I love the trip movies and what a, what a, a joyous thing to see two guys traveling in a time when we can't travel and cracking a bunch of stupid jokes. I'm totally going to live for that. So all about it. Well, this is, what is this traveling lark you're on about? Honestly, I, I know it's just the idea of going to the cinema just seems wild. Like the idea of going to the supermarket or the grocery store without wearing a mask and having to queue up is madness. Indeed, the idea of seeing family is madness. But um, the only other Star Wars thing I actually forgot to mention was uh, the first High Republic novel landed on my doorstep uh, recently. The my friends over at Daryl Ray and Penguin sent that to the sessions. So I've just started reading that. So the new era of Star Wars, which is... Books, comics, and as we know now, Leslie Headland's The Acolyte series is going to be set in the end of the High Republic, which is pretty exciting. Um, so I'm starting The Light of the Jedi, it's called, by Charles Saul. I'm going to start that tonight, actually, and I'm very much looking forward to diving into it after what I've read so far from the excerpts and from what I've heard. So um, what starting is, off the new era. What time era is uh, The High Republic? This is 200 years before The Phantom Menace, so it's... Oh. It's going to be un- it's unrelated to. I mean, Yoda's Yoda's around, so they've already said you know Yoda might pop in every now and then because he's what nine hundred years old by the time of Jedi. Other than that, it's all new characters. You know, everything's new. So it's, uh, it's t- pretty much as unrelated uh, as as far as I'm aware, as unrelated to the Skywalker saga as they've done so far 
um, and Leslie Headland's The Acolyte series takes place at the end of the High Republic. So uh, it's not just books and comics anymore. And, and again, if people like The Acolyte, then they're going to have a load of books and comics in the High Republic to go back and watch, uh, read as well. So going to check that out and hopefully that kicks off this new uh, initiative and new drive with a bang. But uh, that was me then for this week. What about yourself, JB? Well, I listened to my, my regular podcast, which is the Blank Check uh, podcast with Griffin and David. Um, they did uh, actually ended up listening to two episodes. I forgot. But um, Flight was the movie of the week for their Robert Zemeckis uh, filmography. And then they concluded the Alien franchise with Alien Covenant on the the Patreon episodes, um, mm. which I really like Covenant. So did they. Um, I, I, I'm not a big Prometheus fan, but I, I liked, I enjoyed Covenant. I don't necessarily think it's a great movie, but I had fun watching that movie where I did not have a great time with Prometheus. Um, but I watched Flight, uh, for the first time and now I have seen every Robert Zemeckis feature film. Um, I had, I had not seen Beowulf or Flight and I've watched both in the last couple of weeks. Um, Flight is, is an interesting film. Uh, have, have you seen it? I have not. I haven't even heard of it, I think. Flight, really. It's uh, Denzel Washington. It's the only time Zemeckis has worked with Denzel. Um, Denzel is a pilot. It is not a fiction. It is, I'm sorry, it is a totally fictional story. Uh, Denzel, uh, the movie starts with this horrible plane crash. Like, it's crazy to, to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it becomes a, like a, a substance abuse movie, like um, like a recovery film kind of thing, like admitting that you have a problem, that kind of thing. Um, almost completely unrelated to the flight. It's it's relevant, but it's also like, or the I guess it should be called Crash because it's more about the crash than it is the flight. But um, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, there's already movies called Crash. Um, so it's it's not a great movie, but it's it's interesting. John Goodman is playing like a drug dealer character, very uh, very John Goodman esque. Um, it, it's interesting though for sure, uh, especially I because the poster. Sorry, I've just seen, sorry oh. I've just googled the poster. I do recognize the poster. I just haven't seen the film, but it's on yeah. Netflix. Uh, oh, interesting. Um, Beowulf is on Netflix too, so I don't know if uh, they're listening to the Blank Check podcast or not. But um, then I got I got to a screener to see Promising Young Woman, um, yeah. which is one of my favorite films of this year. Uh, it wow. is so great. Um, uh, it is my favorite Carrie Mulligan performance for sure. Um, Bo Burnham is in it, which I love mm-hmm. seeing him. I, I'm a fan of his, so it was great. Um, the Movie Club podcast, we watched a Netflix original, uh, Holiday, which was not on that list that you just read, um, and rightfully so. It's not a bad movie, but it's not a great movie. Uh, I, I, Kissing Booth. Yeah, it's better than Kissing Booth, actually. Um, so I will say that. Uh, I rewatched Elf for, like, I don't know, the millionth time. Um, and then the, today I watched Black Christmas uh, from 1974, the 1974 original Black Christmas. I, I really enjoy that movie. Um, it's, it's super dark uh, and a very good slasher film in my opinion um although it doesn't follow all the traditional slasher tropes but it kind of sets up uh the slasher genre i think a few years before um halloween comes out so Mm -hmm. uh, watched three episodes of queen's gambit um with the anya taylor joy netflix series uh which it's a limited series so it's some people are trying to count it as a movie with their best of the year kind of list uh it's on letterboxd for example, which Letterbox is only supposed to be films, although they seem to be really loose on that lately. There's a lot of series getting added to uh, Letterbox. I think people need to chill on that. Um, yeah. But uh, Queen's Gambit is is excellent so far. Three episodes in, um, I knew very little about the actually. I'm sorry, I knew nothing about the real life person that it's based on. Um, I like chess, but I like the game 
I have never followed any of the people I knew. I know the name Bobby Fisher because of movies. Um, but that's it. You know, but uh, it's really good. Uh, there's some really awesome visuals in it. Um, where Like they kind of show like what she how her head works that I think is makes the show just tremendous. But um, and then uh, it's Christmas time. And I like to listen to some Christmas music, but I am a rocker first. So my favorite Christmas album right now is Punk Goes Christmas. Um, I found it last year. It's actually, I like the Punk Goes Christmas deluxe album. Uh, there's like three songs on it that are not on the regular version, but they're they're both available on like Spotify and stuff. Um, specifically, my favorite songs on the album, uh, Nothing for Christmas by Newfound Glory, um, 12 Days of Pop Punk Christmas, which is the traditional 12 Days of Christmas, but rewritten to be like, kind of funny and also like focusing on stereotypes of pop punk kids you know what i mean um mm-hmm. like uh my they're the five large pizzas is the the number five and that <laughs> that kind of devolves as the song goes on as the pizzas have arrived in the song and they're not correct and he like kind of loses it about the pizzas not being correct and it's great um and then uh all i can give you is probably my favorite like song song on the album because it's uh the premise of the song is like i i had no money but i wrote you this song will you sing it and i just I, it's just a really good song i really really like it it's it's my favorite album they've got some of the more traditional christmas songs covered as well but um if you like pop punk music uh, it's a great way to kind of bring in the holidays because it's got the vibe that you're looking for with a little bit of the punk rebellion kind of built into the songs you know there's a little snarkiness in in some of the songs um that i enjoy so that's that's what i've been consuming how many are done by no effects as soon as you said um no no effect no effects have got to be on there i i don't think they are but hold on i will uh i'm gonna scroll we got all time low does fool's holiday which is really good um I didn't say 12 days of pop punk Christmas uh, is just credited to a person, Jared Alange, but he is in a band that does some really cool stuff as well. Um, there's a band called real friends band called man overboard, which they do a father Christmas song. I like that one quite a bit. Um, the Somerset has a song crown the empire. Uh, yellow card has a song called Christmas lights, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite things on this album though, is the home alone like song, like the instrumental but it's done by August Burns Red, and it has like a little bit of like a metal edge to it. Like, nice. like it's really awesome. Um, I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, I love that song. Anyways, like, but it's really cool how they do it. Uh, Jason Lancaster is credited for the "All I Can Give You," um, but yeah, no, 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 none of the really big pop punk bands. August Burns Red is like the biggest band on this list, and maybe Yellow Card. Um, but and uh, newfound glory for me but i don't know i feel like newfound glory most people aren't as familiar with um they had the big hit with uh my friend over you but mostly yeah. there's they have a little bit more of an underground following but well i'm surprised by that but um i'm definitely going to check out that home alone one but and the queen's gambit as well we spoke earlier on but i am going to check that out at some point just because everybody is raving about it and i'm a big fan of anya taylor joy as well man so yeah um and eventually I will get around to checking out the Blank Check podcast in a more uh, entire version rather than bits here and there. I promise you, my friend, like my New Year's resolution. Oh, wow. OK, I'll take that. Although those usually get broken, so I'm not sure if I should. <laughs> the gym one definitely does. <laughs> I need to lose weight as well. Um, but yeah, another good selection of um, pop culture goodness there, man. Yes, uh, you know, that's what we did. Um, but while we've talked quite a bit and we've seen a lot of things and we've consumed a lot of media in the end of the day for this podcast to exist 
Matt and I have to do something extra special every week to make sure that we are staying bloody awesome. And so, Matt, can you tell me, what have you been doing since the last time we recorded to stay bloody awesome? Well, mine is, as I've mentioned a few times now, it is simply surviving tier four Boris Returns. Um, it's just kind of getting into the mindset now. This is where we are over Christmas. So rather than being consumed by it, he's um, trying to think of the, the positive, which again is spending time with the, the little ones at Christmas. And my, 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 are they excited for Christmas? They can't wait for Father Christmas slash Santa Claus slash St. Nick, depending on where you are in the world, to come down the chimney and uh, deliver a boatload of presents as well. So whereas I'm just looking forward to the food. So it's kind of just um, holding on to the good times. So having time to spend with the kids, having time to put my feet up, um, obviously not being able to do the family blows, but you know, there's a thing called FaceTime or Skype. So that'll be yeah. fine. And try and using the time now to start watching things like um, the, like the Queen's Gambit or Sweet Home or things like that. Things which I never would have potentially watched before. So um, stealing myself for the kind of like, crap few weeks uh coming up but you know it's kind of sink or swim at the minute and i'm i'm swimming i'm swimming man so it's that's how i've been staying bloody awesome my friend but what about you um i have been christmas well christmas surviving um (laughs) i went out to the stores okay it's important to know people i don't like crowds so this time of year i generally avoid all major department stores or stores and this year, especially because of the virus, um, yet I found myself in, in need to go out to some of these stores, um, mm-hmm. partly to last minute gifts or things that we kind of neglected or a few people surprised me with gifts. And then I feel like a, a really strong sense of obligation to like make sure I, I'm not a jerk friend. Um, and so I, I had to go out into the stores. I even had to go out today twice. Um, I went this morning because uh, a tradition for Christmas morning um, that my mom did with me. And then I've done with my daughter ever since is uh cinnamon rolls and eggnog. That's like breakfast. Right. Um, and so I realized when I ordered the groceries and picked them up on Saturday, I didn't get cinnamon rolls. So I had to go out to the store to get cinnamon rolls. Um, and I ended up, uh, my wife has, my wife is uh, one of the biggest lovers of Christmas that I've ever known. Like she holds Christmas in her heart. Like, tiny tim you know what i'm saying like she loves yep. it and she's definitely not feeling it this year because of mm-hmm. all of the chaos and i think the fact that she's not feeling it is also making her even more upset that she's not feeling it you know um so yeah. i thought while i was at the store i was like you know what maybe we should we haven't baked or uh done like any we used to like do chocolate covered pretzels and stuff like that for people we haven't done anything like that for a couple of years and i was like you know what maybe today's the day we do that so i bought a bunch of stuff so we're gonna bake a little bit tonight um, nice. and, and decorate. So surviving Christmas is, is a positive thing here. I, it sounds negative in my wording, but I'm doing everything I can to try to make it feel as much like Christmas as it possibly can, despite all of the, the chaos around us and that it's not going to feel like it. It won't, it's just not going to, but I want to do everything that I can for my family to try to keep it as, as normal as possible. I, like, I wrapped presents this morning um, while my wife was, at work, my daughter was sleeping. I, I, I bought their stuff. Um, and even like, I'm feeling a little worried because we were, our goal was to get my daughter a car for Christmas because she turned 16 mm-hmm. this year and um, we weren't able to get one for her birthday, partly because of COVID because uh, her birthday was in April and we were on lockdown. <laughs> um, and we're still technically 
on lockdown. We're not because Florida is like whatever, but uh, we are personally trying to stay away from as much stuff as we can. So like getting in a car to like test drive has not been something we've wanted to do. Um, and we, we know we're, we're not rich by any means. So we don't have a lot of money. And I mean, we're afraid of like buying a car for a couple thousand and it breaking immediately, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've been putting that off and we, it, it's, we realized last week that it probably wasn't going to happen. So we don't have a lot of stuff for her this year. Um, and I had ordered some things from Amazon, which again, I was actually trying to shop more at small businesses, but because of desperation and delivery needs, it was like, get what we can get kind of thing. And, um, so I like wrapped that stuff to this today. And, uh, um, overall, you know, I think we we were, we're going to have a fine Christmas within our house, but it still feels, we're very aware that it doesn't feel like Christmas. And I'm hoping that tonight with like decorating some cookies and, uh, dipping some pretzels and uh, melted chocolate and uh bought a bag of hershey's kisses i don't know if you've ever you know, oh you, yeah you put the hershey's kiss on the pretzel and you put it in the oven for just a little bit and it like melts into the pretzel so they all become one um those are fun easy things to do and uh when i got my groceries this weekend from uh, a big supermarket chain that has a order groceries and then pick them up kind of thing uh they screwed up my order for the first time real bad like where at, i'm waiting for a long time like three or four other people have come and gone after i got there mm-hmm. and i finally like stared down a guy enough that he came to talk to me and was like okay so one of your they they have these like big plastic tubs that they keep your groceries in while they're waiting for you to get there one of my tubs went missing somehow so they had to go shop it again right uh-huh. so like when he tells me that they have to go get those items i'm like well that's probably not going to be good because the odds are you're going to end up either missing something or, you know what I mean? Like, how do you know for sure what was in that tub? Um, and they're rushing. So I was kind of worried. And sure enough, I got home. There was like three things missing, but there were two bags of M&M minis that I did not order that those are going to become part of our baking tonight. So gonna say, John's yeah. getting naughty now. Um, uh, um, it's today's going to end up being a bad day. Uh, I, I have committed my goal for this. The end of the year is to not gain weight. And then next month, I will try to uh, really push into my the last 20 pounds I want to lose. Um, mm-hmm. So, But yeah, surviving Christmas is how I'm saying bloody awesome. Doing everything I can to make this Christmas feel like Christmas, despite the odds. Um, that's what I've been doing to stay bloody awesome. And listeners, we hope you're staying bloody awesome. We hope you're doing everything in your power. Uh, we'd love to kind of hear what do you do to, to stay afloat in these kind of sad times. But hopeful times, things are looking better like we might be on the rise uh maybe not as much in the uk at the moment but you know those are it's good to see the precautionary measures to be fair like as much as we don't want them the fact that they didn't sit on it and wait is probably the right call you know so yeah to look at the bright side that don't help but yeah well i agree with jp hopefully everybody is making the make it if you celebrate hopefully you're making the best of this kind of like uh, naff hand that we've been dealt but as jb said you know it is what it is we can only make the best of it and if you're not feeling christmassy then uh, we certainly hope the idea of john melting hershey kisses on pretzels has kind of perked you up a little bit because it has me um but we certainly hope you are we'd love to hear what you're getting up to and yeah. um yeah it's survival seems to be the thing at the minute again no without meaning to sound like i'm taking the mickey but survival both of ours were kind of like they're getting over the worst period at the minute when it should really be the most fun time of the year. Right. The downside and why it doesn't quite feel like Christmas. But on that note, uh, we will be back next week with our review of WW84. That's Wonder Woman 84, which is going to be dropping on HBO Max. Um, 
next week. Uh, oh, actually, it drops on Christmas Day. Um, yep. Apparently at noon, I believe, uh, Eastern Time. So um, something to look forward to, uh, this big DC Warner Brothers release. Um, in the meantime, though, we ask that you follow us on social media. Matt, where can they find us on Twitter? Uh, at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And on Instagram, it's Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. And of course, if you're still using Facebook, just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Uh, individually, you can follow me on all the social media at Burke Reviews and BurkeReviews.com. And Matt? Uh, just search for what I watched tonight across all the socials, including Letterboxd and what I watched tonight.co.uk. And if you like what we're doing here on the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, if you'll just take a minute on whatever podcast catcher that you use to uh, rate and review us, it helps other people find the show. And that helps us a lot. And with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bloody.